meditate just briefly on Psalm 22, the 22nd Psalm. Before I read this, I want us to just take a moment to stop and pray. Father, as we reflect on the sufferings of Christ this evening and as we look forward on Sunday to to seeing and being reminded of the subsequent glories, Lord, and even seeing glimpses in Psalm 22 of the subsequent glories, the sufferings of our Savior and His subsequent glories, we ask that that you would direct our attention, that our thoughts and our hearts would be Uh, solely devoted to you this evening. That as we approach the table in a little bit and proclaim Jesus' death, that we would do so in a way that gives honor and glory to you. Speak to us tonight, Lord, as we open your word. Be glorified in all that we do, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 22 is a psalm of David. It's a song. It says right in the introduction, it is written to the choir master, according to the doe of the dawn, a psalm of David. In verse 1, David writes this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you, our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried and were rescued. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you I was cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near. and There is none to help. Many bulls encompass me. The strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death, for dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him. All you offspring of Israel, for he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. He has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. 
From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship you. For kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow down all who go down to the dust. Even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. Some have called this passage the gospel according to David. Charles Spurgeon, our friend, famous London preacher in the mid to late 1800s, he said of the 22nd Psalm, he said, this is beyond all others, a Psalm of the cross. We should read reverently putting off our shoes from off of our feet as Moses did at the burning bush. For if there be holy ground anywhere in the scripture, it is in this psalm. This psalm, the 22nd Psalm, is these are the words of of a man enduring execution. Yet this psalm was written by King David. And it was written as a as a lament, as a lament for the innocent sufferer. So if you remember, this past summer I preached a a short sermon series on a few of the Psalms of Lament. Uh, We saw that a lament is praising God in the dark. We saw that the Psalms of Lament teach us how to complain to God in a way that actually honors Him. And I believe that there's no greater lament than the lament which Jesus cried on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so this evening, I'd like for us to meditate just briefly on three aspects of this lament. His suffering, salvation, and service. Suffering, salvation, and service. I don't usually alliterate, but there you go. Suffering, salvation, and service. Verses 1 and 2 again. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning, Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. We're confronted immediately, right at the outset of this psalm, with the cry of the, of the righteous sufferer. He needs no confession of personal sin because he has none. And yet he still cries out to God these three times, My God, my God, oh my God, he cries. There's a spiritual suffering here. The suffering of one who is in isolation and and separated from God. These are the words that Jesus chose to cry out to God in the dark. Matthew 27 verse 45 says, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lima sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders, hearing it and and misunderstanding him, said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait. 
Let's see whether Elijah will come and save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. This was not the suffering of one who never prayed. In fact, he, he cried out day and night, he says, but still he gets, he gets no answer and, and no rest. And then this righteous sufferer turns in confidence to the, to the character and the faithfulness of God. In verse 3, Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. The fathers of God's people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they trusted in God. They trusted and were delivered. But Christ, this was not yet the experience of Jesus. He suffered more than any man. He was shamed more than any man. He was not delivered. He was forsaken. How can I say that? How can we believe that? Because 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He made him to be sin who knew no sin. Our perfect, spotless, sinless Savior took on our sin. And he suffered spiritually as the wrath of God was poured out on him. And he suffered personally. He suffered personally. Listen to what our righteous, suffering king says of himself as he, as he hangs on the cross. But I am a worm and not a man. Scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him for he delights in him. You are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you I was cast from my birth and from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Be not far from me for trouble is near. There is none to help. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a raving and roaring lion. But I am a worm and not a man, this says. The great I am. The great I am of whom the book of Hebrews says was made to be a little lower than the angels is now made lower than man. Isaiah 52, verse 14 says of the Messiah, And many were astonished at you. His appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. All who see me, the psalmist says, mock me. Matthew 27 again, verse 39, And those who passed by derided him wagging their heads and saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests and the scribes and elders mocked him, saying he saved others, he cannot save himself. He's the king of Israel, let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God, let God deliver him now if he desires him, for he said, I am the son of God. Creator was scorned and mocked by his creatures. 
those whom he created. The great I am is now on the cross being killed by his own people who did not receive him. Yet we see here in Psalm 22 that the sovereign God, the sovereign God has been faithful to this this righteous, suffering king from the very beginning of his life, he says. David writes. And so he cries to God again, Be not far from me, for trouble is near. Like strong bulls and raging lions, trouble is waiting to trample and devour him, to rip him to shreds. Of course, this means that not only did Jesus suffer spiritually by becoming sin, not only did he suffer personally when they mocked him and and despised him, but he also suffered physically. Psalm 22, again in verse 14 The psalmist writes, I am poured out like water. My bones are all out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Crucifixion would not come into existence as a, at least as a regular form of execution for several hundred years after this was written. Yet these words are an accurate description of this type of death, the type of death that Jesus experienced. He was poured out like water. He was drained. He was emptied of strength, emptied of all of his energy and all of his life, all of his vitality. When the psalmist writes, all of my bones are out of joint, he means that his body is racked with pain. Everything hurts. Everything. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. The the fight in him is gone. Life is dwindling away. It is melting. It's just sagging off of his bones. He's dehydrated. He is in agonizing pain. And he is in shock. My tongue sticks to my jaws. I thirst, Jesus said. You lay me in the dust of death. Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. The righteous, suffering king is as good as dead. Again, Matthew 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters. And they gathered the whole battalion before him and they stripped him. And they put a scarlet robe on him and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him. And they took the reed and they struck him on the head. When they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and they put his own clothes back on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, and they compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Again, Isaiah 53, surely, surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows 
yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. And when his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God. It's important for us to meditate on the suffering of our Lord because as the Apostle John writes in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, he says, in this is love. Not that, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That means with his wounds, we are healed. And so we grieve. But we don't grieve as those without hope. And so as we meditate, and we also meditate here on the salvation of our God that we can even see in this lament. In these next verses, verse 19 says, But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. This lament is clear and simple. And it's cried in, in confidence and faith. Yet we must not forget that this faith and confidence in God's salvation... It's not in vain. God has, has helped this righteous, suffering king. But you, Yahweh, he says, my help. This is prayed with the, with the confidence that, that Paul speaks of in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 when he says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. He will answer the prayer. He will sanctify you. He will make you holy. The psalmist proclaims, even before it is done, you have rescued me. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. This is why we can proclaim. We can proclaim with confidence, with the, with the great multitude that no one can number, from every nation and from all the tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. We can proclaim that. So we must meditate on the salvation of our Lord because salvation belongs to our God. 
And then finally, we must meditate on the salvation of our Lord. Because salvation belongs to our God. And we must meditate on the aspect of service that we can see here in this lament. But not the type of service that we so often think of. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. I brought the New American Standard into the ESV there. But that's what it means. It's your spiritual service of worship. In those next verses, he says, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him. All you offspring of Israel, for he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried out to him. From you comes my praise to the great con- in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. And those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. In my Bible here between verses 21 and 22, I've written one word. Resurrection. Resurrection. God in his sovereign power and glory saved this righteous one not from death but out of death he did not rescue the the righteous suffering king as we think of rescue but he he resurrected him see we want to be saved from our pain jesus endured the suffering he was resurrected god came through and answered his prayer and because of that the the psalmist must honor and praise him And this must be our response as well. This is our spiritual service of worship. The people of God will worship the Lord. The Messiah now declares the name of God to his brothers, he says. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, quotes this passage directly and attributes it to Jesus. Hebrews 2, 11 and 12 says, For it was fitting that he, Jesus, for whom and by whom all things exist, in in bringing many sons to glory, he should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That, That is why he's not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. Previously, he was surrounded by dogs and evildoers. He is now surrounded by those who fear the Lord and praise him. Why? Because of verse 24. He has heard when he cried. He's not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. He's not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. And because of Jesus... Because God has heard his cries, from now on, verse 26, the afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. This last section here reminds us of that famous passage in Philippians chapter 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself 
by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day, the nations will serve the Lord in worship. Let me just read the rest of this psalm. Verse 27, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord. And he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the, in the, to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. It is finished. As we approach the table, as we meditate on these truths tonight, as we think of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, he became sin, that we might be the righteousness of God. Paul tells the Corinthian church, he says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 